Sign up to Rough Trade Club, the ultimate subscription for vinyl enthusiasts. Get money off online and in store and access to sold out events and discounts at Rough Trade East, Rough Trade West, Bristol, Liverpool and all over the UK. Join Rough Trade Club plus new music to receive an exclusive variant of their album of the month every month. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and when you use the voucher code club101pod, you'll get a third off your first three months. That's at roughtrade.com slash club and you can get a third off your first three months by using the voucher code club101pod. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify. Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the only podcast in the world where I speak to bands about the jobs they've done between tours, pre-COVID, between making records, and how they've made meaningful art in a society where, more often than not, you have to do unmeaningful things to survive. Francis Lung's new record, Miracle, comes out this Friday. I can't wait to go to the record store in Soho and pick up a copy and have it in my hands. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Thank you, Memphis Industries. Thank you, Tom Churchill, for making this happen. Thank you, Sophie Porter, for editing this episode. East London Signature Brew have been making beers with bands since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Idols, Sports Team, and they've just made one with Hot Chip for the summer's festival season. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can make an order there. And using the voucher code 101podcast, all capital letters, you can get 10% off your order. All right, here's Francis Lung. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed already, 
please do. It's episode 107, so there's lots to dig back into. Lots of amazing guests in the future, I can tell you. And yeah, here we go. This is Francis Lung. Go well. Cheers! I mean, it's funny because I've literally just, this is my, I'm on my lunch break at work, so. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, for me and for lots of other musicians, like finding the right part-time job or full-time job to support things is, uh, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you need something flexible, but the things that are flexible are usually sort of low-skilled jobs, and so they're usually low pay as well. So, I mean, for for years and years, I've just done, you know, some of the crappiest jobs just to try and get by. But it's, it, it's, it's usually the, or it's often the crappiest jobs that can be the most flexible. So you kind of like, you suffer in those... Uh, in those hours to get your minimum wage so that you can like use your holiday pay to go and play some shows. <laughs> That's kind of the way that it's been for the past 10 years or so for me. But I mean, it makes you really grateful for any opportunities that you do get. I mean, do you have those times? Have you had those times at those jobs where you thought I could be using all these hours to do the thing, you know what I mean? To make the thing that I love doing better. That's a conflict, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, What's interesting is that I did have a little period of time after my first band, We Live, split up. Um, I think I was sort of, I had enough money to live for like maybe a year or something. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to make this album. I'm going to make two albums and I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to write so many songs. And in fact, it was probably the least productive time of my life when I, when I didn't have a, another job. So as soon as I started working, um, I realized that I, all my time became more precious and yeah. every spare moment, like you say, is like, oh, I could be doing this now. I could be doing that. Um, yeah. In fact, it was not having the freedom that made me more organized and streamlined. And so, yeah, I've basically spent the past 10 years <laughs> refining that, um, that balance. And of course, you know, you hear all the time, but, you know, um, well, you know, you, you'd, you'd read about it, you know, you, you read about it quite often that lyricists as, as songwriters get, you know, inspiration or find stories in, in the most unlikely of places. For sure. Like for this record, Miracle, for example, a lot of the songs were written while I was working. So I was working as a barista for a portion of the time writing some of these songs. And um, I remember that I was making a lot of coffee. I had a lot of checks on, so I maybe like had like 10 or 12 coffees to make. And I was like thinking in my head, I wish I could be anywhere else. I just want to <laughs> dye my hair blonde and go swimming in somebody's pool and and dr- go drink with my friends. And then to sort of occupy myself, I thought, well, I could kind of turn that into an opening line of a song. And then I started thinking, well, what would the melody be? And so I just had like the first, I turned those lines into the first melody of the song. I just want to die my airplane and go swimming in the neighbor's pool with all our friends drinking. Just like sing that into my phone, like in between cappuccinos or whatever. And then when I get, when I get home, 
I would I just sat there and thought, well, what are the chords that go with that melody that I made up? And I probably had about ten minutes to do that. But then just holding on to those little ideas and little thoughts that you have during your work day. That, that, that's how you make songs and have a, a full-time job. <laughs> what, what a wonderful story that is. And I suppose you could, you could <laughs> that repetition, when you, when you get that initial spark, that repetition can be... Yeah, sure. So I was like editing that melody as I was thinking of it just in my head and just thinking like, right, I have to remember this, I have to remember this. It's quite a stressful job being a barista, isn't it? Yeah, it's really tough. <laughs> but I mean, I, get, I think the trick to being a barista is timing your coffees. Mm. So mm. you have to say, okay, I can have three coffees. I need one when I start. And I need one at about 11 o'clock when I dip. And then one after lunch. And then I have these like bursts of energy that can get me through the day. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you sort of sailed too close to the sun there, drinking too much coffee? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's a, a rookie error. Um, it's yeah. it's such a it's another another balance in life that's very imperative <laughs> to work out. <laughs> I used to work in a uh, probably the, definitely the worst job I've ever had was working in the kids play center. So I worked in the cafe of a kids play center, making coffee, cleaning up sick. Yeah, clean, I just cleaning up God knows what. Loads of shit and sick. <laughs> yeah, lots of stuff like that. Um, and basically it was. It was horrific, but I had to do something. Like after We Life split up, I had I had experience working in bars before that. I'd worked a lot of bars as a teenager and stuff. But um, I thought, musician, I need to work in the day. And I play gigs in the night and I write songs in the evening, blah, blah, blah. In fact, like the job was like 10 hour days. And I had to, in the mornings, I had to dress up as a giant furry monster and sing heads, shoulders, knees and toes to um, nursery age children. That is brilliant. <laughs> For minimum wage. That's brilliant. But I couldn't get a job anywhere else because I just didn't have any experience doing daytime work. So, of course, this kids play center was like, hey, you, you don't know how to make coffee. You don't really know how to do anything come and work for us because we're going to hum- humiliate you. Well, I was going to say, you know, you, you uh, having experience cosplaying as a, as a big furry, you could <laughs> be a, um, like a, a football team mascot, but I, you always hear about stories oh, yeah. about football team mascots actually kind of, they work their way up through corporate that way. I've heard of that before. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I can do that next. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned Woo Life because, I mean, obviously that's where that must have taken over your your life. How how old were you when that sort of started kicking off? Um, so when it started, I was 17, 18. Um, Pretty young. We were friends. Fr- yeah, really young. Uh, friends from college. It was me and, this, me and the singer Ellery. We had a band. And then the drummer and the guitarist, Evans and Joe, they had a band. And one night, I just sort of ended up at um, Joe's house with those three um, and we just ended up practicing the next day. It was almost like we just sort of guested in their That's in their funny. group. That's funny. And then we just we just kept rehearsing and eventually you write some songs and eventually you play a show. It's quite natural, really. I suppose when you're that young, you know, you're the, the, the job stuff's there, isn't it? It's, it's like firmly in your head, but it's not so, I don't know. I can't find the phrase, but it's it's just not so impending, mm. is it? I mean, I did I did work. Um, I was 
uh, just just before I went to university. So I I w- my first job was working in the in the gay village in Manchester. I worked at Bar Bar, which is like a shooter's bar where you buy like there's no draft beer. Everything's like bottles and shots. So when I was 18, I did that. And so the guys would come and get free shots and stuff. And <laughs> I didn't have any weekends free. I remember that. That was funny. So in the early days of Woo Life, I was working in, an, working in this bar. And it was what it was. I also worked in the Ruby Lounge in town. So they that was a little bit after that. And they would come and laugh at me because I couldn't pour a pint. <laughs> I remember the Woo Life guys coming <laughs> And laughing at me there. It's uh, and then yeah, it was probably just after we put the record out that I could like quit my job and just do music. And we were doing lots of shows, and we 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 toured America twice. Um, from me being like twenty to being twenty-two. Wow! Um, wow! I went to Japan, Australia. It was a crazy trip, and then as soon as it you know as quickly as it all sort of um gathered momentum it it ended and um we were (laughs) we had nothing to do so yeah looking back on that now when it ended you know did it feel like pretty uh you know stone cold absolutely yeah it was so strange and abrupt I, i i was definitely very very lost I mean, most people in their mid twenties are lost. Let alone, let alone when you've done something that you love, and then all of a sudden it just stops. For sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was definitely lost spiritually. Still am, but um, <laughs> but uh, I. It was also the start of something else. Like it was the start of me doing Francis Lung, and it was, yeah. You know, I had started making some songs at, under that moniker. I had a little Tumblr page that I set up with the intention that, like, okay. So we we all wrote songs in Woo Life and maybe I'll get better at writing songs if I write some by myself. So I just started doing it like that. And then when the band ended, it seemed natural that like, okay, well, I'm going to do this as a full-time thing. I'm going to be this solo artist. I'm going to be a lead singer somehow. And I, I remember thinking when it ended, like, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll I'll, I'll work any job. I'll do anything thinking i was so naive i was like it's easy to be a solo artist i'll get signed just like that and (laughs) and 10 years later i'm still working and really grateful for everything that i've been able to um achieve and and records i've put out and everything but uh it's just funny because i told myself like yeah i'll do whatever it takes but i really did (laughs) well yeah totally i mean you have to right i mean it's just making (laughs) anyone anyone else would yeah I think that I think one of the hardest things um, about individuals playing in, in groups is, you know, that group mentality is amazing, you know, and that that kind of mm. spark and that kind of energy is is great. But you have to be in it for yourself as well, don't you? Yeah, definitely. It, it's just funny because the, the main difference immediately that I found going from the group aspect to it just being me was that decisions are so much faster it's great i mean (laughs) yeah nobody was listening to my music but that was okay because i didn't have to fight with anyone to to finish the song or 
if I wanted to do something silly on a video, like put Japanese subtitles on a video that didn't make any sense. Uh, oh, no, 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 it wasn't that. The, the video for Age Limits, which was the first thing I put out, it has Japanese subtitles for David Bowie Heroes. <laughs> Now that that idea never would have I didn't survived <laughs> in a group setting. So I don't funny. think. Did you have a bit of a hangover from that uh, that group mentality? Did it take you a little time to adjust to doing things yourself? Yeah, I mean, it just took me time to adjust to uh, to being self sufficient and learning how to construct every other part of the song. I guess the Francis Long thing has never really been a band. It's never been a other people lending their ideas and things into it it's been me slowly learning how to be every member of the band and that's taken a long time that's a lot of work maybe but I didn't really have any other way of of doing it so it's cool that I've got to this um I've got to this level now where if I want to make a record like for like for the last one where i I played all the instruments. I, I could do it because I, that's what I've been working on. And I prefer it that way, not because I don't like playing with people, but you can change things at the last minute, which I really like. And it's hard if somebody learns the part and then you go, oh, by the way, can you totally change that? <laughs> they, they get quite annoyed. <laughs> How was it playing, learning to play drums? I mean, that was my first instrument, actually. So before playing oh, bass or guitar. Got you. When I was 14, 15, I started playing the drums. I just like lied and said that I could play drums to get into a band. And one night I just went home and learned one beat. <laughs> Came back into into high school the next day and was like, well, there you go. What more do you need? Do you know that's so funny? Because Ryan from Yard Act, from Leeds, he did exactly the same thing. His first band, he just said he could play drums really? when he couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are really cool. They're really fucking like great, aren't they? That's so funny. So, I mean, that must have been, I mean, I, 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 you, you must have spent quite a lot of time by yourself then, you know, practicing and, and, and recording. And, you know, w- w- would you get like a practice room for yourself or would you be doing it from home? Uh, well, I started recording myself when I was in um, college. I, I did music technology and you could have access to little practice rooms and computers and stuff. And so I would just be making demos of my songs on cubase and learning how to layer things up and yeah i think it was cubase sx or maybe even before that (laughs) it's pretty primitive um and it was it was great like i that's where i sort of learned my chops and then of course i forgot everything that i learned at music technology and had to relearn everything again through through logic and also through like analog techniques as well like i did a I did some of the, I, I demoed the entire Miracle album on 8-track cassette. Um, like, a, it's just a little cassette 8-track. And actually, one of the songs survived and made it onto the album. So, Empty Playgrounds, Broken Swings. It's got demo in brackets next to it, but that's because the actual, it's from the 8-track uh, demo because uh, it was better than the one that we tried to make for real love that i don't know if it's because i've been listening to a lot of kevin kevin morby in the last couple of years but that you know task out you know those those kind of eight track cassette sounds have yeah. something that I've, I've been i've been really into they're great like what's cool is that you you are limited with your options obviously in tracks but then also because 
you're not looking at much apart from some EQ and maybe like a pan knob. Mm. You just go like, well, now that it's recorded, that sounds kind of cool. Maybe that's it. And so as opposed to logic where you record something and you go, all right, now it's time to EQ. And now it's time to compress. And now it's time to do this and that. It's like... And then by the end of it, it sounds completely different to the thing that you mic'd up. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, like cassette tape has a certain character to it which is already quite compressed and sort of a like a smiley cue so the mid mid range is um either well it's either an upside down an upside down smile or a or a happy smile depending <laughs> on how you look at it depending on the tape machine yeah but yeah. you know there there is character there already whereas digital is is very flat is, would you say that's something that, you know, have you learned a lesson in that over the last 10 years recording yourself, you know, b- between digital and analog and finding your carving, you know, where you feel comfortable in all that, your out, you know, your outlook on it? For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I like both. And on, on the last record, uh, there's lots of different techniques there. Like, obviously, I work with Brendan Williams, who is the my co-producer. And he is, uh, you know, he's brilliant. And he's such a great recording engineer as well as someone with lots of great ideas so like the digital like heart of the record if you like is is all like logic and lots of brilliant preamps and microphones but then there's also lots of stuff from my side of it which is like using VeriSpeed on logic or using cassette dictaphones for a certain quality and messing about with the rewind and the fast forward buttons and also like I said the Yamaha uh, mtax 8 track and so i think recording by myself and trying lots of different things totally built the sound that i've ended up with today yeah and that's yeah that's that's like a it comes from recording yourself being alone you have to experiment more and and i, I suppose you, you you find out what you like doing that yeah and you find out like how to do stuff which i think is really useful i think so many people are recording themselves these days and it's great because maybe you don't have to ask somebody else to do something for you and maybe you can get closer to what you actually want to sound like rather than someone else's approximation of it. I feel like that's certainly becoming um, a pretty widespread thing, you know, taking matters into your own hands yeah and i think it's born out of necessity really it's so hard with the internet there's such a proliferation of new music and and bands if you want to get your music out there maybe you don't have time to like find a label find a producer yeah you certainly won't have the money initially so the only way is just to just to start just to do something and put it out there Working with Brendan, was there, was there a lot of discipline there, you know, in terms of scheduling and recording four or five days a week? I mean, how, how, did, it, how did it work out for, for recording Miracle? Well, the thing is, is like, just like me, like Brendan works as a, he's got a day job as well. Of course, it's in recording. He works at the University of Salford as one of the heads of the recording department. But it's kind of his day job and he needs time off to do projects like this. Mm. So we're constantly working around each other's scheduling. This record started with basic tracking, which was we recorded Grand Piano in uh, Peel Hall in Salford, which is um, there's this big uh, Steinway Grand Piano that's really beautiful and quite old. And we did 
most of the basic tracks of piano there and we recorded basic tracks of acoustic guitar there and so when we went to giant wafer which is in the welsh countryside we had these bare bones of the tracks that we did to clicks or like clicks with tempo maps sometimes and then we built the drums and the bass on top of that so we did it in that order i think everything apart from one was started with either acoustic guitar or piano first I can imagine, yeah, that, you could, that that's that's such a great idea to to record piano somewhere where it's going to have such a lovely reverb or echo or whatever. whatever yeah, I mean, it's a great room. We tried to get a really direct sound. We did get some room sound as well. Mostly the uh, Peel Hall was just for the uh, atmospheric effect, for, for me playing. <laughs> great, great, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That feel funny, you know, both of you working around, you know, your, your part-time jobs. I suppose that's what everyone does in... In music now COVID or no COVID mm -hmm. absolutely it was funny when uh, the government was asking people to retrain because I mean they're so late we've already retrained <laughs> this is we it retrained we, we're training to be musicians never mind anything else we're already fully qualified baristas bartenders uh, <laughs> now I'm a language teacher so I teach I teach English to people that are non-native speakers, so mostly French and German people, and I do it all on online. Brilliant. How did you get into that? Uh, it was something where I started volunteering doing it um, in Manchester, and I thought, well, this would be great if it was a full-time thing, so I spoke to some people I knew that did it and I, I managed to get a job doing it for a company in France and it's it's a job that's really flexible and I'm really happy about that because I make my own schedule it's a little bit better paid than working in a bar and a little bit less uh, soul destroying as well <laughs> could you I mean you know could you do that on tour could you do that traveling around yeah, it is possible. I mean, I have done it whilst traveling. It could be incredibly difficult logistically, depending on your schedule. But I mean, like I say, you have to be so organized these days to be a musician and to work. It's, it's not out of the question. I might I might just book myself a couple of weeks off for those tours, though. <laughs> Was there a moment that you realized that it kind of struck you like, oh, I, shit, I'm going to have to be pretty organized? Did you learn that fairly early on? Yeah, I mean, even when I was working in cafes and bars and stuff, it was like, first of all, this these two weeks of holiday that I've accrued, that's going to be this trip, or um, I'm going to have to save money from my job to pay for this van hire or this practice room. So it slowly becomes more and more organized. And then when I started teaching full-time and I had more control over my schedule, of course, then you can organize it even more and like refine it. And so also because I'm, I manage myself, I, I quite enjoy that aspect of it because literally everyone just talks to me about what's happening. So the Memphis Industries, my label and my PR and radio pluggers, they all just go, hey, Tom, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I'll put it in my schedule, which I control. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> With with the label, I mean, how? Because um, obviously, I mean, it's taken me a few years to learn that. You know, sounds silly to say maybe, but but so many companies do things differently. So, getting mm. to learn and getting to know and you know building that relationship. I mean, you know, what is your relationship with Memphis Industries? When did that start? Um, well, my 
a really good friend of mine and a great um a great event promoter and booker is um Aid Dovey and he used to work for um for the Albert Hall in Manchester and he's worked at Deaf Institute and all the great Manchester venues. So he I sent some music to him. Or was it that no no, he came down to the studio by chance and heard us playing something and he was like, This sounds great, let me send it to a booking agent that I know. And then the booking agent said, I know the guys at Memphis Industries, see if you want me to send them this song. And so they sent them the song and they it piqued their interest and then we sort of drip fed them songs, me and my producer from from A Dream Is You, the first album, until they were like, All right, okay, we'll come over and listen to the rest of it. We we said that we we gave them three songs and then we were like, Oh, if you want to hear the rest, you'll have to come to Manchester. <laughs> Strategic. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah kind was of that to be. Did, did you find that kind of like nerve-wracking were you a bit sort of nervous about you know finding it a- it was horrible i wish i i mean i love i love the guys at my label and now i wish i hadn't really put them through that because it must have been so much pressure for them like <laughs> i mean i was in the studio <laughs> with like a checklist in my in my hand because i was still deciding on the track order and i was like kind of changing I was like writing on this little piece of paper and I must have looked like so insane to to Ollie but I, I, he, he he liked the record and he he you know sent us a contract after that so it worked <laughs> down as a, a barista a child in a you know sort of children's place yeah i mean you have to be careful with that def- that definition i guess you could call me um a, a furry monster in a, 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 that's even worse <laughs> i think it is isn't it? a mascot you can call me a mascot slash barista slash barman and teaching uh, English. Lang- langu- language teacher yeah well are, are there any that we're missing I worked in a steel mill. <laughs> How was that? I'm, I'm, you know, from from below. I'm south of the Watford Gap. I'd have no idea. <laughs> it was all right. Uh, it was. It was. I worked for my uncle for a bit, and I was main, mainly just moving uh, scrap metal around, sweeping the floor. I, I did some. I did some buffing as well. You know, like making it, making this nice work steel worktop shiny. Jobs like that. <laughs> I, I was a paper boy. Uh, that was the worst because you you have your Saturday and your Sunday, right? And you you go to school and Saturday and Sunday is the best, right? Because you get to have a lion, but not if you're a paper boy. You have to get up at six and you have to go and lug heavy papers around and then they'll give you a fiver. A fiver for two days work. Yeah, that's... Can you believe it? That's fucked. It's fucked, isn't it? I forgot about like the, <laughs> the, the weight of it. Yeah. Oh, it's so heavy. Build up your muscles. Just gives you a really sore shoulder. <laughs> Looking forward, you know, when Miracle's coming out, how's it How's it feeling right now? And, you know, 
life's getting back to normal now, isn't it? Really, I know I've got I've had the fear the last few days. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I've been really lucky um, because my work has just been the same all the way through the pandemic. M- more and more people have been taking English lessons because there's less to do. So I'm lucky because I don't have to, you know, switch back to another life. I could just continue, and I'm super excited about the album coming out. Um, I mean. It's it's had some really great support from from Radio Six, which I had no idea was going to happen. So that's a really nice surprise. Brilliant! I can't I can't wait. I mean, I just said before we started pressing record on this, but Bad Hair Day. I've been listening to it every day. It's it's, it's ace. I love it. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Good feeling about it. <laughs> Sick. I mean, you you never know. You just make it, and you just hope people like it. Do you feel more leveled out mentally than you did ten years ago? Absolutely. <laughs> it's nothing. Work is the great leveler. <laughs> if you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I definitely ha- had a, I, I had a, a more inflated sense of self when I was, you know, twenty years old. Maybe a lot of us do, but that was crushed out of me. <laughs> that it's a forty hour, forty hour weeks will, will, that'll crush that right out of you. And that's what people. I think people should uh, remember that about new artists not not just me like literally every single musician that you hear that's just gotten on that c-list or that's just putting that record out they're they're making this in their spare time (laughs) totally and so i i don't know i think it's more impressive than i mean i don't know what it's like to be an established artist but it's kind of a far-off dream to go like oh yeah i can spend all my time on this to me it's much more impressive if someone goes so yeah, I I did this in the wee hours because in the normal hours I was covered in um I don't know, coffee grounds. <laughs> right. All of our favorite folk artists have basically been that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's cool about this podcast. I when uh, when I heard about it, it was like, oh, that's a that's a cool idea because it's very very relevant so good to hear thanks man and it it is true i mean it's a general level of uh respect and also admiration and you know just an acknowledgement that that people you know work really hard for their art for sure i mean and then at at the same time you still don't have to like their music just because they work a shit job (laughs) i mean like maybe one thing the whole pandemic thing has taught us is that um we have to we we have a greater empathy with the common man or at least i do obviously we found out that some people have no empathy whatsoever but this is it um yeah. <laughs> but but generally we we respect each other's time more we we value it more and uh that's a cool thing i think absolutely that's certainly that's certainly true here well francis thanks so much for you know for giving me your time today it's been so nice to chat and you know your story is unique and it's it's amazing to hear you talk about it oh, thanks so much it's been a yeah it's been amazing I N- never thought i'd get to talk about <laughs> being a furry monster in a <laughs> kids play center never thought i'd have to remember that again well i'm <laughs> gonna remember that for a long time and <laughs> <laughs> if you're happy and you know um, yeah. if i get that job at watford fc at vicarage road you're gonna be the first person i'm gonna call to be harry the hornet <laughs> <laughs> I'd expect nothing less. <laughs> what are you up to for the rest of the day? Working. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> great great well i'm so excited for miracle it sounds amazing buzzing Thank for you. it and you're playing the lexington i just read on your website yeah, yeah that's right L- uh, sorry the victoria of... yeah same thing right yeah. um yeah first of july playing in manchester deaf institute on the second so really excited some of our biggest headline shows so brilliant really psyched and deaf institute just sort of survived the near sort of cull sort of didn't yeah which it's is great amazing. i think uh i think tim burgess had a lot to do with that so yeah brilliant thanks thanks tim shout out tim burgess so there we go lovely chap miracle was out this friday go ahead and pick that up online if you don't want to go outside stay safe stay healthy see you next week here's cox Barra. I've been working all day, got me mate on the side Running around like a blue-ass fly I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day Got me mate Every bleeding minute I've been on the go This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz. And I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.